0: Welcome to Ridiculous Revisions, a podcast to ruin childhood. I'm your host, Chris Hellcamp. Each episode, I take a tale told to children and offer an alternative take, one that will leave the stain on your soul just a little darker than it was before you came here. This episode, we do a drive-by on the tale of Hansel and Gretel. You remember Hansel and Gretel, right? Two children are left to die in the woods by their parents? Those were the days. The children get caught by an evil witch who uses a house made of sweets to lure her victims in. One kid gets caged and fattened up for the kill. The other kid is kept around for slave labor until she has an opportunity to kill the witch and escape. As hard as this story is for anyone to believe, what if it actually covers up a much more bizarre and horrible truth? from the pages of a journal found amongst the possessions of Herbert Becker, an employee of the too-big-to-fail merchant and shipping company who disappeared on his way to negotiate a contract for his employer. June 15th. As far as I can tell, the rumors started some 20 years ago. That's when two small children, brother and sister, found their way home from the deepest part of the forest. They came with pockets full of gold and a story to tell. According to the story told in taverns and campfires everywhere, the children, named Hansel and Gretel, found their way to a small house made completely out of sweets. But the home was bait, luring in children for a witch to capture and eat them. This witch locked Hansel in a cage and fattened him up over the course of several weeks with the hopes of making a feast out of him. The little girl Gretel was kept around free range and fed on scraps to do work around the house. The tables finally turned when Gretel, about to be cooked and eaten herself, caught the witch off guard and was able to shove the witch into a burning oven. Gretel was able to free her brother and, after a search of the home, found a hoard of gold worthy of a king. It's always a treasure, isn't it? Or a prince or a king for someone to marry. Something that lets the hero of the story retire to a life without worry. Oh well. I guess it's hard to blame people for wanting to fantasize that their suffering could actually be rewarded with something. I have to admit that it's made me a bit curious. Don't get me wrong, the story is full of fiction to be sure, but might there just be a thread of truth woven somewhere into this fantastic tapestry? Granted, there's plenty that doesn't make sense here. First, there's this candy house in the middle of the forest. You would think that a house made entirely out of sugary things wouldn't last long. The last time I checked, ants live everywhere. So do mice. A structure like that would quickly disappear under a wave of critters. And if the house was made that way to learn children, what was it doing in a place so far away from where anyone would expect to find children? If the witch wanted to eat both the brother and the sister, why did she only cage and fatten one of them, but reduce the other to skin and bones? Furthermore, How did this little girl manage the strength to push the witch into the oven when just weeks before? The girl and her brother combined were not strong enough to keep Hansel from being tossed into a cage. It doesn't add up. Still, in my most recent travels, I've been hearing a slightly different version of the story, one that talks about the children not just in the past tense, but as current citizens of the small town I find myself in. Right now, I'm currently a little ahead of schedule and not expected at my destination for another week. I'll ask around tomorrow to see if there's more I can learn. June 16th After chatting some people up in the tavern downstairs, I came away with some directions. Hansel and Gretel live in separate houses here in town. They stay hidden in their homes and keep to themselves. After meeting both of them, I can see why. I tried to talk to Gretel first, but I didn't get past her shouting nonsense from the other side of the door. The leavening is weakening in the oven of our reality. The dough that lives in us all will collapse. A new master of infinite freshness comes to bind the wheat flour of our souls to his ageless perfection. We shall be rebayed in the image of his perfect plasticity. Cleanse yourself in butter and prepare for the coming of the... I didn't stay for the rest of the sermon. I decided to try my luck with Hansel. I had been told back at the tavern that I might have more success with him if I brought him something to eat. So I picked up a full-sized plum tart from a nearby shop and headed off in his direction. I'm not sure what I expected, but I know it wasn't this. Hansel seemed wary answering the door at first, but after I told him why I was here and I showed him the plum tart, He invited me in. Hansel was not a thin man by any stretch of the imagination. His belly reached forward almost as much as his arms. His walk had the shuffle of a man who could barely lift his knees, and his breathing became loud in the few steps between the door and his chair in the main room. He had the teeth, or lack thereof, of a man who ate too much sugar. His breath carried a rot with it, I looked around the room and noticed that the place didn't appear to get cleaned much, if at all. The floor was covered in dust and crumbs of old food. Mice fought each other for the biggest pieces. As soon as Hansel sat down, he motioned to me for the tart, which I gave him. He let the tart rest on his massive stomach, no need for a table, and dug the sausages that he called fingers into the sticky dessert. He scooped up a handful and brought it into his mouth. His eyes rolled back into his head in ecstasy for a second. I started to wonder if I should leave before this scene became any more... intense. But then he began to speak.
1: Oh, oh. oh that's better. Thank you. I'm actually glad you're here. Everyone here, well... They've grown up with me and Gretel trying to warn them about what we found out there in the woods. But we were just children when we started telling everyone, and I don't think I would believe me either. We weren't even ten years old at the time. Our parents took us deep into the woods and left us there on our own to starve. What kind of monster does that to their own kids? (gasps) We would have died out there if it weren't for that house we found. Maybe we should have died. The tale you've heard isn't exactly accurate, but I swear to God and this plum tart that the house really was made out of desserts. The walls, the roof, the windows. I've tasted them all and let me tell you, I've never tasted anything half as good since. Imagine if you had been in the woods for three days without food and suddenly found a whole house you can just eat. How could we not have a bite? And another, and another. Yeah, we just dug right into the house without even bothering to see if it had an owner. But it did have an owner. She wasn't trying to lure us like in the story. Heck, she actually tried to get rid of us when we showed up. She'd chase us away, but minutes later, I'd drag Gretel back with me so I could have another sweet, sweet bite. There's something about the food that house was made of. When its smell hit my nostrils, I felt a hunger not just in my stomach, but in my very soul. I don't know that I can fully explain it. It's like those walls called out to a part of me I didn't know I had. I swear I could hear it speaking to me, telling me to give all of myself into the temptation. As long as a piece of that house was left, I was going to eat it. Anyway, The owner, Hazel, I think was her name, might have been a sweet old lady to anyone who wasn't literally eating her out of house and home, but that wasn't me. When we failed to leave her alone, she grabbed me by the arm. She was stronger than she looked, and locked me in a cage just to stop me from eating a new window into her home. Looking back, I'm not sure I blame her. If she had let me out of there, I think I would have de-shingled the roof. Since Gretel wasn't eating the house at every turn like I was, Hazel was nicer to her. She got to sleep inside the house and just had to keep the place clean. Hazel wasn't the evil witch that the stories make her out to be. She tried her best to take care of us. She kept us warm and well-fed when no one else would. She tried to let me out of the cage a few times, but every time she freed me, I'd grab a piece of the house and shove it in my mouth before I could even think about it and then I'd get tossed right back in. I'd spent a few weeks out there in that cage, and it wasn't easy. I went back and forth between panic about being trapped in such a small space and the sweet bliss of thinking about my next meal. To this day, I can't think about small spaces without feeling the fear in my bones. And then I get hungry, and the food quiets my nerves.
0: I had to ask, but how did you get out? Was there gold? like in the story.
1: Gretel. She came by with the key and let me out shortly after I heard the old lady let out a horrible scream. I'll never forget the look of terror on my poor sister's face. I tried to ask her what was going on, but she just kept saying we needed to leave right then. I tried to stuff some pieces of the house in my pockets so we'd have something to eat in the forest. But Gretel just shook it all out of my hands and told me I wouldn't want to eat that if I had seen what she'd seen. She told me the oven ate the old lady. It seemed like an odd way to put it, but as we fled back into the forest, I could see an extra thick black smoke rising out the stovepipe, and that's when I understood Hazel was gone. No, we didn't get out of there with any gold. She was a crazy old lady who lived in the middle of the forest and stayed away from other people. Gold is only useful if you have somewhere to spend it. What use would she have had for it? Anyway, we spent another two days in the woods and eventually stumbled across a hunting party that took us back to civilization. We got lucky there. They mistook us for animals coming out of the bushes at first and almost shot us. They brought us back to our father. Mother had died by then. Father said she fell ill, and being small children back then, we didn't question it. Looking back on it now, though, they had a lot of arguments. Knives brandished, pots thrown, that sort of thing. And if they were willing to leave both of their kids to die in the woods, who's to say one of them didn't turn on the other? Father seemed happy to have us back. Maybe he was. Maybe leaving us out there was Mother's idea more than his. But he still went along with it. And we never really forgave him, even though we told him we did. You can believe we left him for good as soon as we could find work. I heard he leaned into the logger after that and found his death at the bottom of a mug. Good riddance! When we first got home... Gretel tried to tell anyone who would listen about the candy house in the woods and the oven that consumed an old woman. I think it's just what Gretel tells herself to forget that she really pushed Hazel in. Gretel wanted people to know what was out there. Maybe even get somebody in authority to do something about it. But who was going to take a story like that seriously from a couple of children? Do you remember how many lies you told when you were that young?
0: For a slovenly recluse, Hansel was surprisingly helpful. He gave me some directions and some best guesses as to where I might find any remains of the candy house. I can't believe I'm entertaining this idea, but I can't get it out of my head. Something has to be out there. I will ask the tavern keep to hold on to my possessions for a few days while I purchase some provisions and travel into the woods. This has to be the dumbest thing I've ever done. June 19th. I have returned from my expedition into the forest. Hi. I shouldn't have gone. I found what I was looking for. I wish I hadn't. I don't think I'll ever sleep peacefully again. On the second day of my search, I was about to give up and head back when I saw it amidst the trees. It stood there mocking the laws of nature and engineering. It was the cottage that Hansel had described. Thick gingerbread walls with Stollen siding clear sugar-glass windows, and a roof shingled with ginger-snap cookies. It had stood out there for two decades, standing up to all that nature and time had to throw at it. It was not eaten by the creatures of the forest. It did not dissolve in the rain. There was no spoilage. Everything was as fresh as if it had just come out of the oven. I thought that I was going mad, but I approached the impossible structure anyway. As I got closer... The ground made a more distinctive crunch beneath my shoes. I bent down to find the source of the noise. The topsoil itself wasn't made of dirt, but cookie crumbs. The rocks scattered on the ground weren't rocks at all. They were hard candies. I put my hand against a nearby tree to steady myself, but the tree was a little too sticky and a little too flexible. I don't mean it was rotting. I mean the whole tree was some sort of soft candy covered in sugar. All of the trees close to the house were like this. A light dusting of snow was falling and melting into the forest floor, but only in the candied area surrounding the house. The air was perfectly clear everywhere else. Of course, when I looked more closely at the white powder collecting on the sleeves of my shirt, I recognized that what I thought was snow was actually powdered sugar falling from the sky. The deepest part of my soul was telling me to run away, but, oh no, stupid me. I just had to keep going. The door was ajar. I entered the house. Everything inside appeared to have gone through the same process as the trees outside. It all sparkled with a coating of sugar. The table, the bed, the vegetables hanging in the kitchen area. Except the oven. The iron oven in the corner appeared to be the only piece of normalcy in the whole place. I would later find out just how wrong I was. I picked up a book nearby, and it crumbled in my hand. I found another book and handled this one much more gently. It was a journal kept by Hazel, the old woman that Hansel spoke of. It was much too brittle for me to take back with me, so I set it down on the floor, and I was able to read enough of its contents. Hazel lived her life following a single crazy dream. It wasn't the sort of dream that you or I would hear about and say, Yeah, that sounds hard, but... I hope you succeed and inspire the rest of us. No, this was the kind of crazy dream where, if someone told you they intended to do this, you would start backing out of the room slowly. Ever since she was a little girl, she wanted to live in a house made of sweets. Having seen her dream made real, I can still say she was crazy. Fueled by her imagination, she took to making cookies and cakes at a young age. As a child, she loved making gingerbread houses. They got larger and more elaborate as time went on, with little people in the windows and trees decorated with candied fruits. As soon as she was old enough, she started traveling. She spent the rest of her youth apprenticing at bakeries all over the land, learning the secrets of the trade until she was ready to put down roots and start a bakery of her own. By her account, it was a success, but it was still just a stepping stone. During the day, she made and sold her wares, but at night, Her studies had led her down darker paths. As much an expert as she was, she still needed solutions that existed outside of the natural order of things. She needed her confections to be immune to all manner of decay and pestilence while still being edible and tasty. She needed to make massive quantities of food from almost nothing. She obtained all manner of ancient texts full of forbidden knowledge older than God in the heavens. She bargained with gods whose names had been lost to time and she created a whole new field of magic that our world had never seen. Sugarmancy. She claimed that she gained control over the very elements of baking itself. Butter, sugar, eggs, milk, heat. She wielded and shaped them like a potter with clay, and people couldn't get enough of her supernatural creations. The business ended suddenly. Hazel got a little careless, and a late-night customer stumbled across her using her magic to sculpt one of her famous gingerbread castles. The townspeople agreed that the food really was sinfully delicious in the most literal sense, and they cast Hazel out. She made her way deep into the woods, as far as she could get away from other people. There, she continued her studies in peace. Her journal starts mentioning something called The Forge after that. With The Forge, Hazel was finally able to build her dream house. It was hard for me to understand much of what she wrote but she described this forge as being able to pierce the veil between other realities and our own, allowing objects and even laws of science to pass freely between planes of existence. Imagine an existence where bread did not dry out and rot, and another existence where the stars themselves are made of sugar, and still another where whole planets formed from molten butter that cooled over uncounted millennia. What could you do with such resources? It was after reading about the forge that I set the journal down. These were clearly the mad ravings of a woman who couldn't tell the difference between fantasy and reality, even if it did make for some fun reading. Yet something about the witch's mention of the forge pulled at my memory. I saw no kind of forge inside or outside the house, but it soon hit me. A baker's oven is their forge. The oven was the only thing in that entire accursed place that wasn't made of candy or dough. There wasn't even a hint of rust or dirt on it. Still skeptical, I pulled open the door of the oven. I expected to see iron walls inside, maybe the charred remains of an old woman. I wish it were the charred remains. I gazed beyond the doorway of the oven into an infinite void. Stars twinkled in the blackness. Stars! I was seeing an entire night sky inside an oven. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was the voice I heard in my head. Its language sounded like nothing that could be made by a human tongue, but I could still understand what it was saying. It urged me closer. It told me to give of myself so that it could continue its work, reshaping our world according to its design. I thought about the trees outside the house. That's when I noticed a large patch of the starry void that seemed weirdly empty compared to its surroundings. Something I couldn't see in the darkness was blocking out the stars. That was it. That was as far as my curiosity took me. I made to close the door of the oven, but a limb like a squid arm shot out to keep it open. The limb looked to be made of raw dough. It weeped strawberry jam from open sores all over. It tried to wrap itself around my wrist but I managed to pull back before its grip tightened. Well, at least now I know what happened to the witch. I slammed myself against the oven door over and over until I cut through the soft appendage and left a piece of it wriggling on the floor. I locked that oven door and ran. I ran and I didn't stop until I was back in town. I'm not sure where I go from here yet. Certainly not back into those woods. Certainly not to a church either. God's not saving anyone from what I saw in that house. It's not just mental scars. I have physical scars from my encounter. The skin around my wrist appears to be coated with sugar crystals that can't be washed or brushed away. I can't tell if it's spreading or not. I hope it's not spreading. That's it for this episode of Ridiculous Revisions. This episode was written and produced by me, Chris Hellkamp. The website for this podcast isn't set up yet, but if you have any questions or feedback, send an email to chris at ridiculousrevisions.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at ridiculousrevisions.com. I'm also available on Twitter under the username Ridiculous RidiculousRevs.